It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Perception, perception, the show now. James Cole and Matt Harmon. Okay, so uh, as you know, as you've very accurately pointed out, I cannot quit big X receivers. That is why this dude out of Mississippi, Jonathan Mingo, <laughs> is the guy that I'm really keeping an eye on here. 6'2", 220 pounds. Man, what in the hell? He's a big boy. <laughs> yeah. uh, but at 220 pounds, Matt, this guy ran a 4.46.40 with a 39.5-inch vertical. Uh, and, and again, 10.9 on the broad jump too, man. I, I just, I mean, he's an athletic freak. Uh, yeah. But what do the reception perception data tell us about uh, uh, this kid out of Mississippi? Yeah, I know you... Um you're talking about X receivers here. I actually think Jonathan Mingo is going to function best as a, a big power slot player. Um, and, and you actually saw him do uh, sort of some Alan Lazard ish stuff uh, in, in college. Like he was primarily an outside receiver um, for his reception perception sample. He was lined up on the outside left side of the field on 65.2% of his sample mm-hmm. snaps. Um, was on the line though for just 55.3 so he was used off the line a good bit as well he wasn't like like we're gonna talk about at perry and like we're gonna talk about cedric tillman in a little bit like those are those guys were x receivers in college mingo is a little right. bit more position versatile like he'd even do some kind of pseudo tight end type stuff like he would line mm. up in the backfield or tight to the line and really get a lot i think he's the best blocking receiver in the draft class james i know i've i nobody's enjoyed my blocking receiver talk this <laughs> offseason but <laughs> Um, I mean, Mingo is, it's not a, it's not a class full of a lot of dudes with heft, not a lot of dudes who's going to do the dirty work. I actually think Jonathan Mingo is going to be awesome in that role. And I have a total non, um, well, first let me say this, because I have a total non like X receiver player comparison for Amon Ross. Shit. I just spoiled it. Cut that out. <laughs> well, I said it, but anyway. So my point here yes. is uh, for for yes. Jonathan Mingo, I have a total non X receiver comparison for him. Um, so his overall success rates: sixty five point nine percent success rate versus man, seventy six point nine percent success rate versus zone, sixty five point four percent success rate versus press. That's all at the thirty fourth, thirty fourth, and thirty sixth percentile. So I know that doesn't sound good off the top. It's one of the reasons I want to shoot the percentiles into the sun, but that's another t- topic of conversation. Let me offer this comparison, though. Again, this is with Mingo playing out out on the left, outside. It's 65% of his snaps. His his RP data looks so similar to Amon Ross St. Brown in his final year at USC in 2020. Really? When he was was playing outside on 70% of his sampled snaps. And you can go back and read, people can go back and read the report on the website coming into that 2021 draft. 65.2% okay. success rate versus man, 78.8% success rate versus zone. Those are, those numbers are so similar to what Mingo put up. And, and I wrote all over St. Brown's profile and I loved St. Brown as a prospect. We, we 
dogged the Packers for taking Amari yeah. Rodgers over St. Brown. I, I loved St. Brown. I thought he was like a second a, a round two prospect, but yep. as a big slot receiver, as a big slot guy, I thought he could be that type of player. And it's just crazy how eerily similar the RP data is between Mingo and St. Brown. And St. Brown was another guy, slants, curls, flat routes. You look at Mingo's route chart, slants, curls, flats, out routes. Like those are <laughs> those are really where right. he I think he's gonna thrive as well. Yeah, uh 31.2% of his routes uh that you charted were a curl route, uh 12.2 on the dig, and then 10.6 on the slant route. So when you start, you know, when you just combine the curl and slants, we're talking, you know, 42, 43% of his routes were just on curl slants, and then you throw in another eight percent on the screens. Uh, I, I mean, this is a real short area type of dude here when you're talking nearly 50% of his routes uh, are in that short area of the field. Yeah, short area of the field. I think that's where he's going to thrive. Uh, from a role perspective, I do like the Amon Rob comparison at the NFL level. I'd also say Chris Godwin. I think Godwin was a – I love Chris Godwin as a prospect, man. I, I yeah. loved him in the NFL. But I think like the way Chris Godwin has been used on – uh, short and um, kind of in-breaking quick routes over the middle of the field. I think, uh, you know, despite his size, I think that's where Mingo could really thrive as well. And, dude, he's just such a badass. Like, he's a he's a bully of a player. He is. He was only brought down on 44.4% of his in-space attempts, brought down on first contact. He was uh, great. He's a real bully after the catch, and he won 75% of his contested targets in the games I sampled as well. So, big receiver who plays big. And, again, that is – Kind of an outlier in this draft class. Even if I don't think Jonathan Mingo <laughs> is going to be a traditional X receiver, like that's the St. Brown role, man. I mean, right. the bully after the catch, bully in the in tight coverage, and it's just crazy how similar those success rates are. And yeah, obviously we know St. Brown, short area of the field, that's where he really makes his money. So again, let me let me kind of bring in a different player here. Um, and again, when I look at the size and speed, and and I watched him play, I, you know. Again, you and Lance Zerline, y'all are aligned. You know, Lance Zerline says uh, he brought up the Anquan Bolden. Uh, again, you were talking about a power slot, dude. I think that's probably a pretty good comparison, too. Um, but I don't know. For whatever reason, I just look at that size and, and his physicality and everything. And it, to me, it seems like he his game can transition at the pro game uh, to play a little bit outside. But if he plays a little bit inside and outside, boy, he would be an, a, a really, really dangerous weapon. Uh, in my opinion, um, can I bring up, uh, when I look at that size and I look at like, I don't know, the meanness, he just plays mean, right? Mm -hmm. Like when I look at that, I, I also hearken back to somebody like Debo Samuel. Um, is there, is there a, a comparison there and how different or how similar are their games? Yeah, Debo's such a unique player. Um, the after catch stuff, though, and the catch point stuff. I think Debo, um, he he'll drop passes. He's he's got a bit of a, a shaky hand sometimes in really weird like layup situations, but he'll win mm -hmm. a tough, tight, contested pass. Right, and obviously we know he's like the best after catch receiver in the NFL. I think Mingo. But 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 Debo's not a vertical receiver, and I don't think Jonathan right. Mingo is a vertical receiver either. He's a really unique guy that you want to get. You don't want your. Let me tell you what. Debo Samuel's not the 49ers' ex receiver. Like that's Brandon sure. Ayuk. So I think from mm -hmm. a role perspective, that can certainly make sense. Debo has just we've like lost the thread on Debo so much because he's 
because of all the rushing stuff and all the kind of gadgety stuff that he does. But as a pure like zone beating receiver, Debo is extremely good in that way. Um, I would say that the one of the differences between Debo and Mingo is like that Debo's great on those kind of intermediate um, dig routes, and I, I didn't see that as much from uh, from Jonathan Mingo, who's more of sort of in the shorter areas. But I, I get the point about like after the catch and the bully, obviously the bully ball mentality. Right. There's no better bully in the in the NFL right now than Debo Samuel. Um, all right, so Cedric Tillman, another wide receiver out of Tennessee. Um, interesting stuff here because uh, he was, I think, uh, outproduced and outshined by his teammate. Um, oh my God, I'm losing his Jalen Jalen Hyatt. Uh, yeah. Hyatt. Uh, okay, so um, but Cedric Tillman is. Uh, from a size and speed perspective, I think even more of a prototypical fit for the NFL, 6'3", uh, 213 pounds. He ran a, a very solid 4'5", 4'40", uh, with a 37-inch vertical as well, right? So uh, this is a player that uh, Lance Zerline uh, made an NFL comparison with Michael Pittman. Uh, what are your thoughts on Cedric uh, Tillman out of Tennessee? Yeah, I, I like Pittman more as a as a pure separator, especially in like the short and intermediate areas. And I probably do Cedric Tillman, but I like Tillman a lot as a prospect. And and you mentioned Jalen Hyatt. Uh, let me tell you what, he he's in the same tier of prospect as Cedric Tillman for me. Um, okay. And in twenty in twenty twenty one, you know, which is the season that I sampled because that was Tillman's best season. He was like so injured last in in twenty twenty two that it, it's kind of you right. have to throw that out. Like he had an ankle surgery in, in the third week, so I went ahead and did his twenty twenty one season instead. I guess a better representation of, and he was better than Jalen Hyatt in in that season. You know, and look, he still plays in this Mickey Mouse Looney Tunes fake news offense at Tennessee. <laughs> so there it's worth, but he's not, quite, it's not quite as like a weird role that like Jalen Hyatt played in. Like we talked about it a couple episodes yeah. ago, Cedric Tillman lined up outside on the right on 91% of his sampled snaps for reception perception. It was on the line of scrimmage, 86.7%. Now, some of that again is the front receiver and stack formations, but that's not going to give you the same free release that a guy like Jalen Hyatt would get as that back receiver in the stack formation. So, you know, basically sitting on the sideline, that's how far off the, off the hash marks those guys are. Um, but I think again, very similar to a little bit better version of AT Perry. What we talked about earlier, 68.5% success rate versus man, 78.7% success rate versus zone coverage. I think he struggles a little bit with press cause he, he can just get jammed up a little bit, but Again, his his numbers are pretty similar to George Pickens as well. I made that same comparison um, in his in his prospect profile. You know, who again Pickens was a bit better versus press, but very much similar success rate versus man and zone. And I actually think a really good comparison for um, Cedric Tillman is Cortland Sutton. And I'm mm. talking about like Cortland Sutton in 2019. Cortland Sutton 2019, you know, it's 68.5% success rate versus man, 76.8% success rate for zone. And like a handful of their top routes were very comparable as well, especially those kind of slants, curls, and post routes. Those were some of Cortland Sutton's best routes before he started dealing with injuries. I kind of think Cedric Tillman is a very, very similar player. Hey, everyone. This is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast. 
podcast. Going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, interesting route tree. Uh, and again, you talk about Tennessee's offense. It, it was very gimmicky and, and you know, looked strange yeah. at times for sure. Uh, but Cedric Tillman, is there a concern with the route tree? I mean, again, from, from what you have posted here, 20% of his routes were dedicated to the nine and then 40, 39, nearly 40% of his routes 40. were the curl <laughs> curl route. I don't know if I've ever seen that Matt. Now to be fair, it's, he had a great success rate on the curl, 80.6% success rate on the curl route with 40% of his routes coming on that one uh, particular route. So, I mean, it's just, I, I, I've just never seen that before, but, uh, but is there a concern that the, he's just not developed as a route runner? Uh, yeah. I mean, there, there's a reason that like, we're worried about these receivers from this, uh, from this offense. Like we haven't seen players from this, you know, and, and, um, Tennessee's running, they're like an art, their offense coordinator is like an art Bryles disciple, you know, yeah. um, they're, they're all they're all these offenses are starting to run this like Looney Tunes old Baylor offense before things went <laughs> south for art Bryles. Um, shout out to Charles McDonald, who called it the Looney Tunes offense uh, in, in, on, on my Yahoo show with him. Um, okay. But by yeah, the way, I mean, wait, so, so let, let me, let me put a pause on that real quick. So when, when I see Tennessee play and, and you talk about art Bryles, uh, maybe if you're not that familiar with college football, you're listening to the podcast, you're like, what are these guys talking about? Uh, there's a lot of stacks. There's a lot of spreads. Uh, and it's just like it, they, they mess around with the, the positioning on the field. Uh, they stack their receivers in ways that you don't really see in the NFL and they spread them out. Uh, certainly what in, in ways that you don't really see in the NFL either. Uh, a lot of easy pitch and catch throws um, out of those stack formations. And, uh, you know, uh, again, some catch and run opportunities. And if it's not that, then they just go in over the top. So that's kind of what we're, we're talking about when we're talking about the Tennessee offense. I, am I right in saying that, Matt? Yes, correct. And um, I'll point again, it all kind of comes from that like Baylor offense from, a few, you know, seasons like a while ago with old Art Bryles there. And I'll point back to some guys from the uh, early, re earlier reception perception days, Corey Coleman. This is mm. literally his route breakdown from his reception perception sample in college. 10.7% screen routes, 27.3% curl routes, 32.2% <laughs> nine routes. And that is about it. Like that's the wow. majority of the route tree there. <laughs> Ishmael Zamora. I, I'll see. Do people remember the name Ishmael Zamora? No. Thirty-four. Well, that is. He was like a mat. You know, James, you would have loved him. He was like a massive athletic freak from Baylor. Um, Thirty-four point four percent curl route rate. I mean, yeah. That that this is concerning because all of these names, like we've again, we've just not seen a lot of success come right. from like receivers out of this offense. It's, it's not too dissimilar to the Quinton Johnston discussion that we had on the last yeah. episode where it's a very limited route tree, but it's just going to be tough to like ding guys too hard for this because this is most of what's going on. In Cause Hey, by the way, Tennessee's offense is fun as shit. Okay. Like they're <laughs> gr a great college offense. Hendon hooker yeah. put up awesome numbers. Right. As a, as a collegiate player. And it, but it's just like, man, you watch it and there's just not a lot of stuff that's 
indicative or replicable on Sunday. Like you literally can't run that offense in the NFL and you can't run a a receiver on like 40% curl routes, even if they're like deep stop. Like Jamar Chase is a great example of a guy who will run a lot of like deep stop routes that are technically curl routes, but they're, you know, they end up getting classified as curl routes, but it's all based on like the threat of beating the player over the top. And like Jamar chase is, is a freak at that stuff. It's he yeah. told me it's his favorite route to run, but he's not doing it 40% of the time. Okay. So, um, <laughs> 40 yeah, it's, it's def it's definitely it's a note here. It's definitely a note for sure. All right. So, uh, you highlighted some big athletic receivers here, go to the website, receptionperception.com uh, to get Matt's full notes. We've kind of abbreviated a lot of the stuff here. I, and people are saying abbreviated. You talked about three guys in 45 minutes. I mean, Hey, listen, that's how in depth Matt goes, uh, on some of these prospects. And, and, and you could spend hours, I think on the side, just kind of like breaking it all down. Then you go down the YouTube rabbit hole. I know that's what I do. That's what, that's what I do. I go down that YouTube rabbit hole and I compare and contrast the notes and all that stuff. So, uh, it's fun. Go check out the website, receptionperception.com. Hey, Matt, give the listeners, uh, um, and your fans out there, a little preview of what is to come, though, or and actually some of the other prospects that are already live on the site. Yeah, as James is out, you know, gallivanting uh, at the Masters, I'm I'm just hard at work, <laughs> just nosing the away. grindstone. Yeah, <laughs> toiling turn, away, turn Tank Dell, some you know five five. 160 pound receiver like what am i doing with myself james is on the greatest grass ever planted on planet earth and you know yep slamming beers and i'm i'm here charting tank dell but yeah tank dell should be speaking of which should be on the site today Uh, i've also got a profile coming on xavier hutchinson that will kind of round out the profiles we've talked about a lot of the guys on the show but there are other guys too that we didn't talk about oh jaden reed marvin mims those are interesting ones the prospect rankings i mentioned are coming and um after i'm done with these full profiles of rookies i'll start to move into kind of the what I did last year, which was the rookie roundup, um, was like mini samples, two to three games, guys I wasn't able to get full samples on and like kind of some lower range prospects. Like last year, Kyle Phillips, Danny Gray, um, Wandale Robinson was in, in there, David Bell, you know, guys that are maybe going to go third round and later uh, will get featured in that in that prospect uh, roundup there. So that'll come to the site if probably next week. Uh, if not the week of the draft, hopefully, hopefully next week, uh, not, not the week of the draft. So yeah, a lot of stuff coming. And then, uh, the free superlatives article that if you're listening to the podcast, you're not a subscriber, well, shame on you. You should be, but also I'll have the free, uh, prospect superlatives article coming the week of the draft. Ooh, that's going to be hot. I like that. All right. Very good stuff. All right. So there you go. Plenty of information on the site being updated, uh, constantly as well. So go check it out, receptionperception.com. And if you're listening to us for the first time, you're like, who are these guys, man? Uh, listen, Matt has been doing this for a while now. Uh, so I would encourage everyone to go check out the site. And if you could subscribe to the podcast, rate the podcast, uh, give a little bit of a, a note uh, on the pod, review the podcast as well, man, we would find that incredibly helpful as well. All right, but our time does run short. For Matt Harmon, I'm James Coe. We'll see you.